Well, good day, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Plays in Action. Uh, this is your host, Jared, along with my good friend, Ben. Uh, we're here for a quick episode uh, on the day of the, the first game of week five of the 2022 CFL season. A little bit of a shorter week, only three games this week. Uh, ben and I will be sure to dive into each of those games and matchups and players to watch and and different strategies as we always do each and every week. Um, we uh, it, It's a miracle, Ben, that we got this show together based on everything that's going on in our world, but, but we did it. Here we are. My head's on fire, Jared. I'm burning <laughs> at both ends. This is, uh, but, but it's the su- it's the summertime, man. Shouldn't it be like relaxing and easy? And yeah, we got COVID in the house this week, so I'm up here in Studio C in the little kid's bedroom, hiding down with a microphone and a laptop, running on crappy Wi-Fi from an alternate router, and just hoping for the best here. So, if it seems like the stats <laughs> pack is a little bit thinner this week than some, I apologize for nothing. This is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Take what you get and be, say thank you on the internet because this is uh, about all we can manage this week. Yeah, our listeners are getting what they pay for, that's for sure. So uh, Every single penny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you know what, if you're not happy with it, we will happily refund you your money. Yeah, let's just make this, this episode free this week, Jared. Okay, yeah, I think, free I, think I can get on week. board with that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Just a quick reminder to please uh, subscribe, uh, rate it, uh, share it. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Plays in Action. Uh, you can follow myself at Loves Guitar, all one word. Uh, you can follow Ben at Ben Yaman. Uh, so that uh, certainly helps us out uh, on this uh, fun little niche podcast that we have here. Uh, and once again, we want to thank Prize Picks for uh, for having CFL this season once again, uh, and for supporting this podcast. Uh, ben, can you uh, again remind our good faithful listeners about Prize Picks and what fun they can have over there? Prize Picks is the site that makes fantasy sports simple. You just pick over unders on two to five players on individual stats or fantasy scores from more sports than you can count especially CFL, and we're thankful for that again this season through five weeks, and you mm-hmm. can win real Koholdard cash. So right now, if you sign up and deposit with promo code BENYAMEN, that's B-E-N-Y-A-M-E-N, you can get a 100% bonus on your first deposit and help support the show. That's Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. And like I said off the hop of the show, it's uh, it's a short week this week. Uh, thankfully, all the games are within three days of each other. First game tonight, Thursday. Uh, last game plays Friday or Saturday night, pardon me. So uh, we don't have to wait uh, a decade, it felt like, to, to get our, to the last game of the week. <laughs> our money will not be tied up for six days in the same contest on DraftKings <laughs> this week. Like, what a thing. A full week oh, sweat man. for one slate of games. What an adventure. We're glad yeah. it's there, <laughs> but you. what a wild way to set up a slate. So yeah, it's nice. It's going to start and finish within 48 hours this week. We can cut our losses and move on to a weekend. Yeah. Uh, first game of the week is Calgary at, Am- at Edmonton uh, tonight. Then we got Ottawa at Saskatchewan tomorrow night, and then wraps up with Winnipeg at BC. So uh, a good little slate of games, actually. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this week and, and the games that we have Um kind of what's your initial thoughts for these three games, Ben? Yeah, it's kind of a a funny little group of games that the over-unders, you've got Calgary-Edmonton at 51.5, Ottawa-Saskatchewan at 45, and Winnipeg-BC at 49. And I would almost would have thought those scores would be inverted for team totals as opposed Mm. to the way that they are, that Calgary and Edmonton at 51.5, it's actually a pretty high total. I know they kind of shot out the scores the first game around, but that was in pretty ideal conditions on a sunny, beautiful afternoon. This is supposed to be kind of 23 in thunderstorms with 35 kilometer an hour winds this evening. And frankly, Mm. like where are 52 points coming from between these two teams? Um, I'm not sure. Like, Bo Levi Nichols put up his points last time against Edmonton, but that was with 400 yards to Malik Henry and completely ignoring his good receivers, and I don't think Malik Henry has that in him over again. So, yeah, where do the points come from? Mm-hmm. The Edmonton defense is not great. 
despite what they did to Dane Evans a week ago. That's more on Dane than it is on the defense. And I am far from convinced that Trey Ford is an answer at quarterback at this point. Maybe he will be someday, but I think I noted it on Twitter yesterday. I was going through and doing individual player rates as I do every week. And last week I had Trey Ford rated about the same as late career Matt Nichols. Um, where Dominique Davis did for Ottawa, and I guess too high. Like, Trey Ford's points per pass and rush attempt were about 0.29, which is just absurdly low. Like, to put that in context, Nathan Rourke is 0.78 so far this season. (laughs) So, like, and I know they're not the same player, but Trey Ford is what he is. He's a running back that throws the ball kind of in a wonky way once in a while. So yeah, we'll see mm-hmm. where 52 points managed to come from, but in bad weather between two offenses that struggle for their own re- defenses and frankly a Calgary defense that's still pretty good. I think if Edmonton manages mm-hmm. to put up 15, I'll be kind of quietly surprised. So that means that Calgary mm-hmm. has to put up 38 if they're going to hit the over. So I probably like the under on 51 and a half and Calgary minus five is also sounding pretty juicy at this point. Yeah, it's interesting if you look for the first few weeks of the season, Calgary hasn't scored less than 30 yet in a game. Um, So, you know, if Edmonton three touchdowns, it still seems like a lot for this team that's kind of rebuilding and, and trying to figure out who they are under Chris Jones kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I can definitely get on board with that, that under 51 and a half. Um, Ben, I'm curious to ask you about the, the Ottawa Saskatchewan game. Now you, uh, were tweeting out, I think it was yesterday or the day before about how I think the line initially opened up like plus nine, plus 10 for Ottawa. And yeah. I think it's down, it's down to like minus, minus five, or well, minus six, minus five, depending on the book for Saskatchewan. Right. So you seem, you seem kind of bullish on on like, Ottawa why is that well like what a wild adventure seeing Ottawa plus 10 and a half on Sunday night so yeah like for those who don't know bet regal quite often releases the coming week's lines before the previous line is even wrapped up and so they had Ottawa plus 10 and a half available on Monday night versus Saskatchewan this week and yeah I'll, I'll gladly take that I don't think Ottawa is a terrible team they're been fairly decent on offense I think they can certainly keep it within two scores in 10 and a half. I'm not going all the way out and saying Ottawa wins the game, but certainly I've said and seen other guys who have posted as such, whether they're pretty sharp players or even guys like Farhan Lalji picked Ottawa outright this week to beat Saskatchewan. So I think the line slowly moved from nine and a half to eight and a half to six. And I saw as low as Saskatchewan minus five yesterday and now it's bounced back to six it looks like but yeah like I think certainly at ten and a half it was a slam dunk even nine and a half and eight and a half I'm quite happy to take Ottawa in the points at five or six yeah I'm, I'm probably more leaning heavily to the Saskatchewan side at that point but it's a pretty close mm-hmm. I think that's probably closer to the right line if I'd have seen it at Saskatchewan minus two and a half earlier this week, I would have thought that's a fair line. So even minus six is probably a fair play. But yeah, the other one that kind of surprised me was the 45-point team total here. Like, Ottawa managed to put up 30 versus BC a week ago, and Saskatchewan is still giving up a fair bit of distance through the air. I think they're giving up the second or third most yards per pass attempt so far this season. And we've seen big plays happen against them all last season and all this season too, despite the fact that their pass rush is pretty good. If the offense manages to hold off the pass rush for more than three seconds the coverage tends to get a little bit more open downfield so yeah like I think there's certainly a chance that they can hit the over on 45 especially given the weather should be quite nice and warm with the breezes low uh yeah I probably would have put the team total at 50 or 52 for this game and the Calgary Edmonton one at the 45 so yeah see what you can find but I think over 45 is probably a fair bet there too it's just going to be a matter of who's going to play receiver for Saskatchewan as all of Kyron Moore continues to be out Shaq Evans continues to be out and it's looking pretty doubtful Mm -hmm. that Duke Williams will be able to play so they're getting pretty thin at the receiver position so yeah I'm guessing probably the the fear on the over-under would be does Saskatchewan just run the ball 47 times Winnipeg style and just punt their way to victory with a bunch of rouges. We'll have to see what happens. But Now, does, does 
team math support the fact that like for the casual player, like Ottawa hasn't won a game yet this season. Uh, Saskatchewan, you know, they're what three and one. Yeah. Has team math is team math supporting this line movement for Ottawa? Yeah, like Ottawa is a pretty good team. Ottawa played Winnipeg twice and BC once, which most people will say are the probably the two best teams in the league this year, right? As they have been mm-hmm. for a little while. So yeah, like and Ottawa played right with them in each one of those games. Ottawa could easily be three and zero at this point, having beaten Winnipeg twice and BC if one or two plays had gone differently. And Saskatchewan may yeah. be three and one, but who have they beaten? Right, <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah, I I don't have a problem with thinking Ottawa can win this game, and certainly that it should be a lot closer line than what the ten and a half that it opened as. It was probably just a simple thing yeah. that most books don't watch CFL lines very closely. Ottawa was zero and three and going on the road to three and one Saskatchewan. It made sense that probably it's a wide margin, but I think certainly books tend to get much more efficient as they get pounded on bad lines early in the week, and they usually close fairly close to what's a reasonable line. And I think, yeah, the minus five, minus six is probably fair at this point. Right. Um, and then finally, the last game on Saturday, Winnipeg at BC. Um, 49, to me, feels low. Like, I know Winnipeg's defense is is still decent, um, but, uh, again, you know, BC has been so explosive this season. Uh, it almost feels like they could put up 49 points by themselves. Uh, yeah, certainly. And it's going to be the matter of, I think, more of do people think that Winnipeg can score points to keep up? Because at this point, oh. they have been running, they've been running 25 plays a game at the highest percentage mm-hmm. of any team in the league at about 36, 37% rushing plays from the play calls. And they're running for the league low 3.9 yards per carry. So it may well be that Winnipeg just continues to try to establish the loss and just absolutely (laughs) taking the air out of the ball completely, right? Run 40 times, try and keep BC from getting the ball, slow the pace as much as they can and grind the game down to a halt, which is totally a Mike O'Shea way to play football, right? So if... It's going to be more the way, I don't see a way that B-Ski scores less than 24. Um, Mm -hmm. I think their team total implied is about 26 and a quarter right now. I think that's probably a fair total. So then it's a matter of if they're scoring 26, do you think Winnipeg can score 23 points versus B-C? That really hasn't given up points to much of anybody. So yeah, I'm not so sure that Winnipeg can score to keep up at 23 points in this matchup. And so 49 is an over-under. It's probably a pretty fair number. That one's probably not what I'm going to touch. I think the funny one is the line. Like anybody who's watched these two teams is going to tell you BC is playing much better football and three and a half points mm-hmm. at home isn't a crazy line. But all week, all I've heard in media is how disrespectful this line is to the defending champs in Winnipeg as making them (laughs) disrespectful. You want to know disrespectful? (laughs) Disrespectful is making your fans come to an arena, pay full ticket prices, and run for 3.9 yards per carry 40 times a game and then telling them to like it. Right? Like, that's disrespectful (laughs) to Winnipeg's people and fans. BC minus three and a half, I think, is a fair line and probably I'd err on the side of BC at home in this game. Because BC gets to play on the fast track under the dome where they get to run their offense and they can just run the wheels off of Winnipeg. I don't think Winnipeg's defense is as good as they have been. And certainly BC Mm -hmm. should be able to push the pace. And it's a matter of more than when is Winnipeg going to be able to score to keep up. And I am far from convinced they have the tools or the will to try and win in a shootout versus BC. Yeah, and especially because BC's on, they had the the short week last week. Uh, We kind of talked about on last week's episode. And now they're... You know, they had the first game last week and now the last game this week. So they, lots of days to rest up and um Yeah, as opposed to Winnipeg playing the short-ish week, right? So, yeah. yeah. No, I think certainly there's a lot of things going in BC's favor this week. Yeah, yeah. I like that three over, or the uh, BC three and a half. I think that's a good, that's a good bet there. Um Okay, let's kind of dive in a little bit, uh to start looking at some of the different players um, let's start first with prize picks. Is there uh, any value picks uh, for our people 
for our listeners after they've used your code Benyamin to get a hundred percent entry bonus. Is there any players that you're liking over at Price Picks? This is in no particular order. I'm going to preface this with this because otherwise people are going to think that I've got COVID on the brain this week because I'm I'm opening with <laughs> Bo Levi Nichols in an over, which sounds ridiculous, what? right? It's totally not on brand for me, but Bo Levi Nichols has <laughs> yeah. his over 250.5 pass yards and he's passed for over 300 in both of the last couple of games. And it's versus Edmonton, who's giving up the second most yards per pass attempt this season. It There's not too many reasons to think that Bo is going to be under 250 pass yards apart from an injury. So, yeah, I like the Bo over 250.5 pass yards. Moving on to rush yards, you've got Trey Ford at over 29.5 rush yards. I think if Edmonton is ever going to compete this season... Ford is going to have to rush for 50 yards a game on his own because he's not passing for over 200 in many games this season. If you watch his throwing mechanics, his accuracy issues, all these kind of things, they are not going to be a passing offense. If he's going to be an effective quarterback that's going to give them a chance to win, he's going to have to do at least 50 yards a game on the ground. So over 29 and a half, well, he had 60 last week versus Hamilton, I think is a pretty safe play. Moving on to receiving yards, I think the Malik Henry line is moved up a little bit since I hit it a few times yesterday, but yesterday it was over 35 and a half receiving yards after he put up, I think, 170 last week. Now, he's not ever mm-hmm. putting up 170 again his career. Like, if you want that bet, I will take the career long never over 170 again on Malik Henry. <laughs> but uh, over 35 and a half. He has the capacity to do that in one or two catches. So I think 35 and a half is kind of a fair line to me. The crazy part of it is, and this is a little bit of a sidebar, we've got Kamar Jordan at 40 and a half and Reggie Bagleton at, I think, 50 and a half. And if you had talked to me four weeks ago, we just hammer those lines in week one, right? And now we're both sitting here thinking, I don't know if either of them can get to 40 or 50 because Bo hates talented receivers at this point. He's just trying to keep them humble. At every turn, he doesn't want to give them targets. He doesn't want to give them more than three air yards or they're going to take his spotlight. So yeah, like I'll probably won't touch the Kamar or Bagleton lines. If anything, maybe Kamar over 40 and a half, he's shown a bit more life, but certainly Mm -hmm. the Henry over 35.5. And the other one that came out this morning was Butler over 32 and a half receiving yards. I think especially with Lucky Whitehead banged up and Burnham still out of the lineup, Butler is almost kind of the de facto wide receiver two in BC right now, despite playing running back. So over 32 and a half receiving yards is probably half of the he'd actually project for for receiving yards. Um, Moving on to fantasy points. Again, Trey Ford over 12 and a half fantasy points. If you think he rushes for 50 yards, he only needs seven and a half points from the passing game. If he can pass for one touchdown, he only really needs about 150 pass yards to hit the over on 12 and a half. So I think over 12 and a half fantasy points is fair for Trey. Kamar Jordan mm-hmm. over nine and a half and Malik Henry over eight and a half fantasy points. Both have some interest to me too. If either one of them catch a touchdown in this game with what we said, again, is a 51 and a half point over under, there's going to be points scored. If either of them catch a touchdown, they really only need one or two other catches in the entire game to be able to hit value. So yeah, both of those guys at the overs on eight and a half and nine and a half respectively are probably going to round out my pool for now on prize picks. And we'll wait to see what gets released for some of these other games later on in the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, man, Calgary has been, that's been an interesting storyline watching Bo Levi Nichols and just his hatred of talent throwing to so it's wild right like to think that he's had over 300 yards in each of the last two games and we're looking at 40 yards and 50 yards for Kamar Jordan and Bagleton and saying I ain't touching that which is (laughs) just a it's ridiculous there's no other alternate darkest timeline in which we look at those numbers and don't just absolutely smash the heck out of them right but this is where we've come to in 2022 we just have no idea what to do with those poor guys they deserve better yeah absolutely um just as a a short aside speaking of deserving better what on earth is going on in montreal right 
Like oh, they fire Kahari goodness. Jones, they fire Baron Miles. They're both probably top two coaches at their positions in this league. And yeah. uh, they replace them with Danny Machocha and uh, Noel Thorpe. Noel Thorpe of Ottawa defense fame from the last couple of years, where they were just the absolute laughing stock of the league. And Danny Machocha of I celebrate before the game is over and then we lose fame. You can find that gif all over the internet. Right? Narrator, yeah. the game was not over. Right? Like, this is not a team that's on the upswing. And so, like, free Vernon, free Gino. I have no idea what those poor guys are going to do. And poor William Standback sitting there on the IR while this whole thing yeah. goes to crap in Montreal. He goes out in the first quarter of game one with Vernon Adams as his quarterback. And Gino out there at wide receiver. Nobody worrying about Trevor Harris. Nobody worrying about any of this stuff. And all of a sudden, yeah. he's back. And his entire offense, coaching staff, and everybody is gone. Do you just, at that point, even want to come back this season? Or do you just yeah, say, yeah. you know what, like, uh, my ankle still hurts, coach. Release me. I'm retiring. And then go play for somebody yeah. else next year because nobody should want to play in that Montreal offense at this point. It's going to be, uh, yeah, sorry, Al's fans. The winning days are done. Yeah. And uh, even in that horrible East division, I don't know where the wins come from with this now being your coaching staff, your quarterback, and the weapons not wanting to deal with that. So, yeah, sads for you folks out in Montreal. We wish for better. Free the good players and let them play somewhere where they can actually be used. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was on the fence about whether to bring that up or not this week just because uh, Montreal's not playing this week and... Um, yeah, we're not a CFL podcast. We're a CFL kind of fantasy betting podcast. Kind of wanted to focus on that. But yeah, when I was reading the news today. And well, sorry, about, Jared, yeah, we wanted I brought to... it up anyway. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because like I was on the fence about bringing it up. and uh, Make it's me true, apologize like, for having rants on my own podcast. Fine. <laughs> you set the agenda like, next could... week. <laughs> I, I couldn't get over how they're like, we wanted to do it early in the season. And it's like, yeah, I can't imagine what that locker room is like. Or, yeah, yeah, it was it was shocking for sure. And now, do you think he gets Kahari Jones or those guys get picked up elsewhere this season? Uh, I forget who was mentioning it yesterday, but the real mess is this whole coaching salary cap that they've got going on in the league, right? So it's not as simple oh. as just hiring on more coaches. Like, clearly, Kahari and Miles should both be on somebody's staff yesterday. Like, within hours yeah. of being fired, they should be starting on somebody's roster as of today as a coach. They are that good. They're yeah. exceptional at what they do. And instead, mm -hmm. they might go without a job for the rest of the year because the league has hampered all these teams' abilities to sign coaches due to the salary cap. So, yeah, I hope they get a job somewhere, but I have no idea who will be able to free up cap space to hire the coaches, which is the most absurd statement that I've had to make as a CFL writer or podcaster at any point in my life. So, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I I'm not sure where they'll land. I hope they land somewhere because whoever does land them mm -hmm. will be a better team for it, undoubtedly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I guess probably the call the action for our listeners for this is, is do you watch the news, you know, especially as week six lines kind of come out at the end of this weekend, beginning of next week. Um, yeah, there might be some value in the, in the Montreal game next week. And, uh, whether, I don't know if there's a, what is that old adage in sports that, you know, when there's a new coach, the team, you, you know, I forget what the stat is, how a team usually responds and, and wins the first game back. But uh, I don't know. Nobody is responding Montreal. for Danny Machocha. Look at that no. dude in the eye. And, uh, well, uh, I'm just looking ahead. I won't go any farther down the rabbit hole. It's Montreal versus Edmonton in week six. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. That uh, yeah. that might still be Montreal. <laughs> but anyways, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Carry on my wayward son. All right, let's... Um... Let's dive into the DraftKings. Let's start building some lineups. Um, three games, probably a smaller roster of players to pick. Um, what's what's kind of your you know macro view 
uh, view when it comes to building lineups for week five of the CFL season this year? Yeah, with only six teams playing, it's it's actually a pretty large discrepancy in the implied team totals this week, with Calgary all the way up at 28 and a quarter, which again, I think is a little bit high, but it is what it is if you're going with the numbers. BC, it's 26 and a quarter, Saskatchewan, 25 and a half, Edmonton, with a kind of an unreasonably high team total at 23 and a quarter. I think if you find books mm-hmm. that have just team totals individually, taking under on Edmonton 23 and a quarter is pretty interesting. Uh, Winnipeg at 22.75. And finally, Ottawa at 19 and a half. So if you're building out lineups, uh, probably a lot of them are going to have Calgary and BC players with a smattering of Saskatchewan. Uh, if you're building game stacks and hoping for a game that's a shootout, Edmonton players, I mean, Ottawa players are going to be probably tough to fit in given their salaries are still fairly high and only a 19 and a half point total. Um, Weather for these game environments, Calgary and Edmonton tonight, as we mentioned, is supposed to be thunderstorms and winds in that 30 to 40 kilometer an hour range, which might hurt the offenses there a little bit. But when you've only got Mm -hmm. three games, it's tough to totally fade a game unless you're going to take an extremely long position on one of the other ones. Um, Ottawa, Saskatchewan is the only other outdoor game and it looks like it's going to be kind of 24 degrees, light winds and should be a pretty beautiful night for football there. And then like we said, Winnipeg at BC is at the fast track in Vancouver under the dome. So that's not really one to worry about. Um, From a macro perspective, I think you're looking for your value plays every week. There's kind of four pretty obvious value plays with Justin Hardy from Ottawa, Jalen Philpot drawing a start for Calgary, Sherman Beatty potentially getting carries for Edmonton out of that backfield, despite the fact they had three guys getting touches last week. And then Josh Pearson, BC, as the guy who came in in place of Burnham. And they're all kind of 3K and under. Figuring out which one will be the one that wins the contest is going to be interesting. If you're playing multiple entries, um, the difference in projections from any of those four guys is kind of one or two points. And there's no reason to think any one of them is definitely the play over any of the other four. So spread out your exposure. And Mm -hmm. if you're playing single entry, like good luck, I think probably... Hardy is probably going to be the highest owned one. And then you're going to have Phil Putt, Beatty, and Pearson, with Pearson probably the lowest owned one out of the bunch, just because he kind of bombed in his first week out there. But in a BC Mm -hmm. offense, it's fairly high volume and fairly high efficiency. I think certainly there's reason to believe he could be as good as any of those other punt positions. Um, Moving on to quarterbacks. There's not a lot to choose from this week. Rourke is going to be the clear top projection. He'll be clear top projected ownership guy with his rates it's pretty impossible to ignore him despite the fact his salary is finally getting up there into the 11k range um try to project them has been a little bit tricky this season just because his efficiency has been so ridiculous and the volume has been there every week so looking at things with historical high-end rates in mind from quarterbacks over the years i tried to keep things in perspective a bit and he comes out around a 26-point fantasy projection, and he's still 25% higher than second place in the projections with Fajardo. Um, if you play him in projections with full rates from what 22 and what he has produced so far this season, he'd be closer to a 36-point fantasy projection, which is a silly number. Like, Mike Riley in his heyday was around 27 or 28 on his best weeks. So 36 is just a ridiculous number. The Winnipeg matchup may Mm -hmm. keep his projected ownership in check a little bit, but he's still going to be the guy and probably 60 or 70% owned in the larger contest week. Um, You should probably still have two pass catchers in liners with him. Um, despite he has his rushing upside, including Butler in that player pack for stacks with him with Lucky, Rhymes, Katoy, Hatcher, and Pearson. Lucky, I think I heard from Farhan today, has practiced today and should be playing this weekend, but it certainly bears watching for people who got burned last week on Hardy. You can still know sometimes late news happens, and it's certainly worth keeping an eye on for a guy who missed practice pretty much all week like Lucky Whitehead, especially given he's an 11K kind of player option. Um, If you're looking for pivots in the larger contests, it seems that Fajardo at 10,600 is probably an option given his dual threat abilities and also the fact 
that Ottawa has been one of the worst pass defenses so far this year, giving up, I think, the most mm-hmm. yards and touchdowns per pass attempt so far this season. So Fajardi is likely missing his top three wide receiver options, as we mentioned earlier, with Evans, Moore, and Duke unlikely to play. So Kean Schaefer-Baker could be in for a lot of work getting seven to nine targets in the game and still only priced in that 7K range. He'll be one of the better values this week in the slate. Ottawa has allowed, like I said, the most yards and touchdowns per pass attempt this season. So despite the fact that Saskatchewan may just choose to again come out and establish it, run 30 times, take the air out of the ball with their receivers all banged up and just slow down the pace all together. You probably want to have Moro in your pool for stacks with Fajardo as he's probably the wide receiver too de facto this week if you're double stacking. Um, If you're looking at other Mm -hmm. receivers, Tevin Jones is likely to come and play in a little bit more of a role as he did last week once Duke was hurt. He's a pure punt play at around 2,500. And Mitch Pickton is in the 3K range. He could catch a touchdown as he seems to most games, but he still might not get double-digit fantasy points. So you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. If you're looking on the low end of the spectrum for quarterback pricing, Trey Ford is probably worth single stacking and worth a little exposure to. Um, His salary is up to 7,900 now instead of the pure minimum 6,500 he was a week ago. Um, it's also not great that it seems like even with Ford in there as the quarterback and his rushing ability, they're still putting in Kai Loxley in the goal line and short yardage packages, which kind of hurts his rushing upside as far as efficiency goes, given he's probably not going to get many rushing touchdowns despite how many carries he'll get. So, um, yeah, if you're Mm -hmm. stacking with Ford... You've got Lawler, who's priced up still up in the 10K range. You've got Manny, who's down low in four. And then Walker, who's somewhere in the middle at six, seven range. It's tough to want too much of any of those guys, but probably Arsenault is going to be the one you're going to stack with, if anything, with his old man energy, just because he doesn't cost that much. And he gives you kind of the option to pivot off of those other, like I said, four punt options and play Manny instead Mm -hmm. at 4K. And that'll certainly make you a little bit more unique if you're avoiding all four of those pretty clear punt options from other offenses. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a tricky week to build a lineup. Actually, like these contests, uh, like last week we talked about BC. Yeah, just load up your lineup with all BC players, and uh, but this week playing the the bombers, I think, it, like you said, is going to keep some owners uh, uh, maybe a little more honest when it comes to rather than just loading up with BC lines players and that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting week. Now, do you you mentioned those those uh, kind of Hardy, Phil Pot, Beatty, Pearson? Is that kind of where this week is going to be won and lost? Is those players? Uh, as soon as I say that, something will happen to all four of them, and it will be something with a really balanced <laughs> build with guys that nobody is playing comes out and wins. So, like, who knows, right? But I think probably. At least one of those guys will be in the winning lineup this week is my guess, just because you need the Mm. salary relief from somewhere. And pretty much all the good plays are either 9K or above or 4K or less. There's not really too much in the middle. Like nobody wants a lot of 8K Darvin Adams this week. Um, (laughs) Nobody wants any of those kinds of guys. Nobody played Rhymes last week and he didn't produce. Nobody played Katoy and he didn't produce. And so it could well be that you get a Rhymes-Katoy double stack with Rourke that winds up winning everything and both Rhymes and Katoy are 5% owned versus Winnipeg because they've had just one game each, right? So like certainly Mm -hmm. those things would make you a lot more unique. Like if you avoid Hatcher and you avoid Butler and double stack with two of those other options for BC, they're both probably single-digit ownership versus Winnipeg, and you're going to have a really unique lineup building around those guys Um, because most will probably go the studs and duds route, playing one or two of the 9-10K running backs and one or two of the 9-10K receivers and then just building around some of those cheap plays that are 3K and less that should still get four to six targets this week. So, yeah, I think if you're looking for something that's a truly unique build in the larger contest, playing two of those mid-tier guys in the 5 to 7K range, whether it's 
Katoy and Rhymes, or whether it is Malik Henry or Kean Schaefer Baker, and building around those with a more balanced build will certainly make you a little bit more unique in the larger contests. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I, man, I'm just kind of looking at the DraftKings lineups. What about defenses? Did you touch on that real quick? Uh, I we can. Do you want to talk about running backs for a minute? Oh yeah, let's get. Sorry, let's jump back to running back. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. We're we're both on our B games this week, Jared. <laughs> Recording <laughs> yeah, Thursday morning. The truth. This is what it is. Um, yeah, looking at yeah. running backs this week, there's kind of three high end plays and then one punt, and then everybody else can burn. So you've got Butler, who's going to probably be 65% owned, I would guess, at 10K. He's getting pretty close to fully priced in five digits mm-hmm. now. Um, versus Winnipeg, a lot of people will get scared off of, but Butler's still going to get his six targets a game. He's basically receiver that gets carries. And he can be efficient carrying or receiving the ball. So he's going to be the pop projected player and worth exposure to in single entry or multi. Morrow is a little bit more interesting decision to make, given that he's had two really big games this year. Um, He's priced all the way up to 9K. He hasn't actually been all that efficient running the football, but he's managed to get a couple of touchdowns, and he was always helped by getting return yards. This week, they traded for Mario Alford out of Montreal, now that Chandler Worthy seems to have taken the special team spot there. So Alford, I would guess, will probably be in the starting lineup as the returner, which means Morrow isn't going to get those four to six points returning the ball anymore this week. And so he's really going to have to score a touchdown or get four or five catches, which again could certainly happen with the receiving core thinned out. But 9K is a pretty hefty price to pay for a running back in a timeshare like he has been with Hickson and Fajardo, who takes carries as well. So he's a little bit thinner play. And then you've got Carey all the way almost 11K versus Edmonton. Now Edmonton's been allowing the most rush yards per attempt by quite a ways so far this season. And Carey already had kind of a 26-point fantasy game versus Edmonton the first time around. But that was with a pair of touchdowns, and uh, we'll have to see. 11K is a lot to play for a running back that doesn't catch a lot of passes. So mm-hmm. he's worth some exposure to, but certainly not somebody I'd be looking at in single entries. And then you go all the way down to the bottom end of the spectrum with Sherman Beatty at 2800 And the funny thing is, again, if you talk to us week one, looking at James Wilder as a 6-7K running back, it looked like a smash spot where they would get six or seven targets to the running back, certainly decent efficiency. If you told me you can now get the starting running back for Edmonton for 2800 it should be a play you go all in on. But at the same time, we saw just a week ago, Charles Nelson was listed as a starting running back and got a couple of carries. Kyle Oxley gets a couple of carries as a slot back and takes all the goal line work. Ante Milanovic Litre took a few carries and targets last week because the ratio got all screwed up when they had some injuries. So Sherman Beatty at 2,800 is an interesting play. But you could also see him get two fantasy points this week and nobody could be too shocked out of it either because, you know, depth chart shenanigans from Chris Jones, ratio (laughs) issues that can make things go funky for them. We'll have to see. So he's a little bit thinner than I'd like, but a $2,800 starting running back, and I put starting in air quotes, certainly is worth some exposure to and considering even in single entries because a lot of people will probably be scared off of him given what we saw from Edmonton last week. But my sources have told me that probably he'll get lead back duties this week and he could be a lower owned play than some of those other punt options. And in a game with the highest implied total on the week, it's an interesting play, at least, to have a running back that cheap when you get him as a pivot off of what are these other very expensive running backs on the week. Gives you a little bit different thing to build around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Morrow's kind of been that surprising player. Uh, but like I, like you said, I think what, he's not getting the returns anymore. That's going to hurt. Um, I think playing a strong... Like, like we talked about off the show, Ottawa team, I think will hurt. So, yeah, going to be some huge Butler ownership, and then it'll be interesting to see how it kind of breaks down after that. Um, wide receiver. Uh, again, is this a – I think this is that the, the tricky position, and, again, it's a good reminder for our listeners, be watching those injury reports, you know, be 
following those beat writers because it feels like the wide receiver position right now is is decimated with injury and, and guys are not only banged up but like really banged up like Lucky and Duke uh, just the reports about them kind of thing so in, how, how are you building your lineup based on that information about injuries? We've come a long way from week one, haven't we? When we talked about week one <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. podcast this year, it's rare that you'll ever want to build with more than one or two running backs and the wide receivers have a lot higher ceiling and you'll probably want to have four wide receivers in most. And here we are in week <laughs> five looking, how many running backs am I allowed to play, Jared? Because yeah, certainly <laughs> yeah. it seemed like any wide receiver over 7K was a total bust the last couple of weeks. And even looking down the pricing spectrum this week, there's not too many guys who are over 7K that you look at and say, I feel really confident in them. Like Kenny Lawler is the top projected receiver, but I don't think anybody is excited about Kenny Lawler as a top projected receiver with Trey Ford and the over-under on his props at 180 passing yards this week. And still most people thinking Mm -hmm. under 180 yards is probably the safe bet. I think if you're looking in the prop markets, some things came up today, and I think Lawler was around 60 yards with Arsenal and Walker around 40 or 50 yards. And most guys are taking the unders on those guys across the board because just nobody believes that Trey Ford is going to be able to pass them out of a wet paper bag, and they're probably not wrong. So, yeah, if you look at the top projected receivers all in that high end of the spectrum, you've got Kenny Lawler over 10K, Nobody's excited about Lucky Whitehead, who's been banged up and has yet to have a really big game this year because they keep spreading the ball out so much. Jalen Acklin at 9,700 versus Saskatchewan on the road is not that exciting with the lowest implied team total on the slate. Kamar Jordan at 9K, again, if his over-under is 40 and a half yards, there isn't a lot of optimism given how much they've spread the ball out to those tertiary receivers on the edges. Kean Schaefer Baker is lower in the price range, so he's kind of interesting at 7,500 and could still, frankly, be the top wide receiver on the board. You've got Bagleton at 9,900. Mm-hmm. And again, nobody's excited about. It's tough to see many of receivers that you're interested in paying over 7K for on this slate. So it makes sense to take in that second running back. I think probably you're just simply going to look at who is the quarterback I'm playing in the lineup give them a double stack, maybe bring back another player from the other side and just build around game stacks on a small slate like this and hope that you hit the right one if you're playing single entry contests. And multi-entry, you're going to want some exposure to these top-priced receivers because they're going to be low-owned. They're going to be much lower than what they should be on any given week just because of recency bias and people thinking it's not possibly going to turn around for these guys. But there's no reason to think that Reggie Bagleton can't put up 25 fantasy points this week. Edmonton's secondary Mm -hmm. is pretty bad. The pass rush is not good. Bo has been passing for over 300 yards a game. You think at some point... He or Kamar have to have a big game, especially with 28-point implied team total for them. But nobody is going to be betting on that in single entry, and probably they're going to be single digits owned even in the larger contests and multi-entry. So I think those guys going overweight on them is a little bit of an interesting play just given the macro context of the situation, um, what recency mm-hmm. bias will push people away from. But other than that, yeah, you're probably either going for those mid-tier guys like Kean Schaefer-Baker, who's probably going to have an increased role. Malik Henry, who's probably only going to come down from where he has been, but at only 5,800, he doesn't have to do too much to be a decent 2-3x value on the slate versus, again, a bad Edmonton secondary. And then you're down Mm -hmm. into those punt plays that we talked about in those 3-4k range that you're probably rounding out the lineup with after having two high-priced running backs in the lineup along with them. I think those are probably going to be the most popular builds this week, um, probably the most common. So yeah, wide receivers-wise, it's a little bit mess. You're probably playing for the studs and duds with the mid-tier being a little bit more low-owned and then hoping that your running backs hit. Um, mostly just build around your double stacks, maybe a bring back, and then hope that you find the right combination on a week like this where it's going to be a little bit tricky to see which one of these expensive receivers is actually worth it. Right. What's your philosophy with guys coming back from injury or uh, like I'm thinking of Lucky Whitehead or Duke Williams that 
they're not practicing, they're practicing, you know, might play. Um, do you have any exposure to them or do you just kind of like, well, I'll give them a week and then look at them next week? With with Lucky, he's priced at 11K. Like, <laughs> if he's going to pay an 11K price tag, he's going to have to have 100 yards, a touchdown, and seven receptions, right? Like, that's kind of the mm-hmm. bare minimum that you're looking for, especially since he's not getting special teams work anymore with Shy Ross now returning punts and kicks for them. He doesn't have that kind of base to build from. Um, I'm still going to have a fair bit of him just in BC stacks, but I'm probably docking his rates 10% from what his normal projections would be. He has a habit of mm. playing hurt, and when he plays hurt, he doesn't get a lot of targets or efficiency, and we've saw that last season, we've seen that this season, where he kind of stays out there almost to work as a decoy for the defense that they have to cover him. But it's the same role that yeah. Duke Williams played last week for Saskatchewan. It was clear that he was banged up. He was screaming on the sidelines while they worked on his arm and wrist. And then he got out, he got five targets, couldn't pull in a ball, and it was very clear he was playing the decoy role out there, just gutting it out for the team, right? Making defenses yeah. play it honest, despite the fact that kind of everybody and their dog knew that he wasn't actually a factor in the offense. So I'm not sure Duke will even play this week. And if he does play, I probably don't want much of any of that until he can show he can actually catch a football again. Um, but lucky I'll probably be a sucker and still have a fair bit just because I'm so overexposed to the BC offense this week that it'd be impossible not to have some lucky whitehead, at least in lineups. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's a good point. Yeah. To take a look at their salary and see, you know, is it worth the risk? Is it worth the gamble? And, uh, cause we know Timmy, the intern, he's not adjusting salaries based on, well, injuries, that's BC sure. finally did go up a little bit this week, right? Except for Hatcher. Hatcher is still about 4K underpriced. He should be an 8K receiver. Like if Kamar Jordan is 9,000 yeah. and Bagleton is 9,900, there's no reason that Hatcher should be 4,300 like he is. He should probably be at least mm-hmm. an 8K receiver at this point. And so I expect he'll probably be the highest owned player in the receiver position this week. Yep, I can see that. Um... And now, briefly, defenses. What are you looking at there? I think Saskatchewan and Calgary, well, they're priced like it, but they're probably the two top plays at the defense of special teams position this week. Saskatchewan at home, they're a pretty unbeatable defense. They've been putting up 14 points a game um, this week versus Ottawa and a fairly mistake-prone Mazzoli. I've got them projected a little bit down because Mazzoli's been pretty good at evading pressure so far, but the turnovers are still mm-hmm. there, and it's hard to imagine that Saskatchewan doesn't get any sacks, despite the fact that Ottawa's only given up a couple so far this season. Um, the Stampeders, they simply get to face the worst quarterback on the slate, and that's always an interesting mm-hmm. way to use defenses. Trey Ford... Um, he's got a lot to prove. And so Calgary at 5,200 is priced probably about 500 higher than I'd like to have them at, but they will be the number two defense for me worth a whole bunch of exposure to until Ford proves that he can avoid mistakes and avoid the rush. Um, at this point, he's still got a lot of work to do. So those will probably be the two that I'm most interested in. I think the Bombers defense Mm -hmm. at 4,700 is really interesting as a GPP pivot. They're certainly not what I'd want in single entry, but given how many people will be playing Nathan Rourke as their quarterback, nobody is going to be paying the Bombers defense versus Rourke. So if you have lineups that Mm -hmm. don't use Rourke, having the Bombers defense in it as an alternative is certainly an interesting play because not many people will be on them. And the Bombers defense still certainly has the chance to put up a touchdown or two on defense, on special teams, create a couple sacks and turnovers. It's not like Rourke is Tom Brady out there. He's a good quarterback, a very good quarterback, especially for this league. But the Bombers defense has done more than enough to show that no matter who the quarterback is, they can create some turnovers, they can create sacks, and on special teams, they can always take one back. So I think they're a really interesting kind of pivot play at a little bit lower price range at 4700 with most people going the BC route as far as building around their offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, fun little fact I learned this week, uh, Nathan Rourke, he's Canadian. Did you know that? Really? Ben? 
Never heard that before, yeah. Jared. That's a good point. Fun fact. Listeners, definitely means you should bump him about 15% in your projections, <laughs> given that he is Canadian, playing in the Canadian Football League. I have heard that as a superpower of sorts. And if people like you, you play better. So, yeah, like, keep that in mind. Hashtag team math. Yeah. When you're building your lineups, look at the the player's nationality and adjust accordingly. Important to, <laughs> important to keep that birth certificate narrative in mind while building lineups. Yeah, totally. It's, it's 2022, yeah. and we still care where people are born. <laughs> But but yeah, on the Winnipeg defense, I mean, this is the week I think where if yeah maybe not single entry, uh, but you could build that total contrarian lineup with uh, Fajardo and uh, Winnipeg defense, and you know try and play a, you know um, opposite to the BC stacks and that kind of yeah. stuff. And it's an interesting way to build it's... leverage, right? Because I think certainly yeah, yeah, totally. any time that you can get Winnipeg's defense and potentially single digit or low teens ownerships in the 4k mm-hmm. range, that's something that you should be on. Like that is yeah. certainly a high end play that you can get and it will get you a lot of leverage on maybe a 60 or 70% own Nathan Rourke because it's pretty unlikely anybody plays the both of them in the same lineup. Because mm-hmm. things happen. I mean, last week our bets were doing great until Hamilton decided to establish the loss, and um, kind of we didn't talk on that a, a much. What a wild adventure today, but... with Dane, right? Like Dane Evans. Oh my goodness! Two hundred and twenty yard over under, and he manages to hit the under with four turnovers and just the ugliest game plan I've seen in my life. Hamilton throwing yeah. 40 times a game all season decides to come out and throw 22 times and establish it with an offense that just isn't built for that in any way, shape, or form, right? So, yeah, like that loss was 100% on the coaching staff quarterback combination that deserved a worse loss than what they were handed. That was yeah. a uh, that was an embarrassing show of football. So congrats, Hamilton. The only thing worse than your play and your game plan were the jerseys that nobody could read the numbers on. Way to work. <laughs> and yet they're the coaching staff that's still employed today. So yeah, uh, it's crazy. Sports. Love sports. Um, well, I think that's it, Ben. I think uh, we were able to limp through this week's episode. And uh, um, hopefully all of our listeners did not get infected with the COVID that is uh, impacting your house. and. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is again, I don't know if I've been saying this every week, but I'm looking forward to this weekend of football. I think, uh, these are going to be some exciting games. Um, and yeah, we should, we should see what happens. So, um, any final closing, closing thoughts for you, Ben, for this week five of the CFL season? If at some point you're not excited for the football anymore, Jared, we should shutter the podcast. I think that's really what it comes down to. So (laughs) you just keep in touch. Yeah, happy football, everybody. Enjoy life. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, You can follow Ben at Ben Yaman. You can follow me at Loves Guitar. You can follow the show at Plays in Action. All one word. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. I hope everybody uh, wins some money this weekend and hopefully has a little fun along the way.